Some books of the Bible receive much more attention than others. So from time to time, it's good to go off-road and listen to voices we are not used to hearing, like the wisdom of Ecclesiastes. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of you. Hi, my name is Ed Horstman and welcome to the online service of worship from Round Hill Community Church in Greenwich, Connecticut. We're delighted that you've joined us for this online experience of worship and we look forward to staying connected with you in this way. Our online experience of worship for this week gives us an opportunity to explore the wisdom of Ecclesiastes. Now, this little book is contained in the Old Testament. It's part of a larger body of material that's often described as wisdom literature. I think it's fairly safe to say that the little book of Ecclesiastes does not command nearly as much attention as so many other books of the Bible. So why not explore it? Let's listen for the unique spiritual vision of Ecclesiastes and discover together what was the wisdom of this man for all generations. As always, I want to encourage you to visit our website, roundhillcommunitychurch.org. There you will find the latest information about programs, opportunities for service and learning and fellowship so that together we can continue to grow in our faith. And together with people of faith, hope, and love all across the world, let us worship God. Let us pray. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord, amen. And let us pray together as Jesus taught his disciples to pray when he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen.
The focus for our online service of worship is the Book of Ecclesiastes. It's contained in the Old Testament. It's part of a larger body of material called the wisdom literature. And as far as we're concerned at Round Hill Community Church, it qualifies as a Blue Highways book. Blue Highways used to be featured on the old Rand McNally Road atlases. These were the secondary roads. These are the roads you could take to really see the country off the main highways. Blue Highways stories and books in the Bible are the ones that don't get used nearly as frequently as some of the more popular stories. So I think Ecclesiastes qualifies as a Blue Highways book, and I've offered you a sampling of verses from this little book. It's only 11 chapters long, but it's complicated and nuanced, and I hope these verses will give you just a little taste of the author's spirit. He sometimes, by the way, refers to himself as the teacher. And there is a possibility that he was a governing authority in ancient Israel, but no one knows that exactly for sure. So here are some readings from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 1, verses 2 and 12 through 14, chapter 2, verses 18 through 19, and chapter 7, verses 8 through 11. Vanity of vanities, says the teacher, vanity of vanities. All is vanity. I, the teacher, when king over Israel in Jerusalem, applied my mind to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to human beings to be busy with. I saw all the deeds that are done under the sun and see all is vanity and a chasing after the wind. I hated all my toil in which I had toiled under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to those who come after me. And who knows whether they will be wise or foolish. Yet they will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning. The patient in spirit are better than the proud in spirit. Do not be quick to anger, for anger lodges in the bosom of fools. Do not say, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Wisdom is as good as an inheritance, an advantage to those who seek the sun. In the name of God, the Creator, the Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ray Waddle is one of my favorite writers. For 20 years, he covered religion for the Nashville Tennesseean. A few years ago, he taught a course on writing at Yale Divinity School, and I took that class and discovered that not only is he a wonderful writer, but he's a superb teacher. It turns out that one of his favorite writers is someone who lived about 2,300 years ago by the name of Ecclesiastes. Ray was so captivated by the unique spiritual vision of this author that he actually wrote an entire book about him called Against the Grain, the Unconventional Wisdom of Ecclesiastes. At the beginning of this book, Ray Waddle describes his first meeting with this ancient author. Here's what he says. 
I was still a teenager when I first encountered Ecclesiastes. I never got over the shock. Here was a book in the Bible whose main character sounded exhausted, discouraged, the way a real person actually feels sometimes. This biblical testimony departed from the 1,000 soothing church devotional lessons I'd heard. Ecclesiastes offered something unusual, spiritual realism. He posed a dissent from the official message that God's will and purposes are always clear. There is something shocking about reading Ecclesiastes. There's a lot of whining in the book. He has a way of seeing a dark cloud in every silver lining. When I reread parts of this little book in preparation for this message, I found it full of such inspiring phrases as emptiness, emptiness, emptiness. All is empty. Now, doesn't that sound inspiring? Don't you want to just take those words and put them right up on the bathroom mirror so you can see them first thing every morning? Or how about this? All is vanity. All things are wearisome. More than one can express, there's nothing new under the sun. More inspirational words. Over and over again throughout the book, he declares that all is vanity. Now, that little word, vanity, in the original Hebrew can also mean vapor. It's something that disappears. It has no life, no substance. All is vanity, I think, is just a fancy way of saying, what's the point? Can you imagine building a whole public relations campaign for a congregation around such inspiring language? Can you imagine a pastor standing up at the close of a beautiful Easter service to say, Alleluia, Alleluia, Christ is risen, but what's the point? To be fair, not everyone who reads Ecclesiastes is shocked by the book. In fact, many have found in it great solace, great humanity, even encouragement. One of my older brothers, Chris, is not technically a biblical scholar, but over the years he's been a great student of the Bible. And he told me once that the only time he has ever laughed while reading a book in the Bible was the time when he read Ecclesiastes. I think that spiritual realism tickled him. In 1965, a musical group called The Birds, B-Y-R-D-S, recorded a song that became a hit, Turn, Turn, Turn. That song, it turns out, was based on words from Ecclesiastes, some of his most famous words, when he says, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. The birds took those words from Ecclesiastes and turned them into a hit. When the Polish, Polish poet Wisława Zimborska received the Nobel Prize, he gave his speech and who did he include in it but a reference to Ecclesiastes. Here's what he said. I sometimes dream of situations that can't possibly come true. I audaciously imagine, for example, that I get a chance to chat with Ecclesiastes, the author of that moving lament on the vanity of all human endeavors. I would bow very deeply before him because he is, after all, one of the greatest poets, at least for me. That done, I would grab his hand and say this. There's nothing new under the sun. That's what you wrote, Ecclesiastes. 
but you yourself were born new under the sun. And the poem you created is also new under the sun since no one wrote it down before you. Ecclesiastes, I'd also like to ask you what new thing under the sun you're planning to work on. In your earlier work, you mentioned joy. So what if it's fleeting? So maybe your new under the sun poem will be about joy. Have you taken notes yet? Do you have drafts? I doubt you'll say, I've written everything down. I've got nothing left to add. There's no poet in the world who can say this, least of all, a great poet like yourself. What we get from the book of Ecclesiastes is Ecclesiastes. The legacy that the poet left behind was a record of his inner life, his contradictions, his sadness about the fleeting nature of life, and his encouragement to live every day to its full, his belief in the power of compassion, and his conviction that even our best efforts can result in a big zero, his glorious pursuit of wisdom, his favorite word, and his occasional bitterness. What a mix. As Ray Waddle says, in the grand scope of the biblical saga, he offered something new, a kind of memoir, the only one in scripture, a pilgrimage of vulnerable self-discovery and experiment of the senses. He embarks with questions and not answers. When I think of the hard-won honesty that Ecclesiastes sought to share in the little book that goes by his name, I think of a contemporary writer who brings us this same gift. Her name is Annie Ernaud. She's a French writer, and when she gave her acceptance speech after winning the Nobel Prize, she said this, my writing does not consist of writing for a category of readers, but in writing from my experience as a woman and an immigrant of the interior and from my longer memory of the years I have lived. By granting me the highest literary distinction that can be, a bright light is being shown on work that consists of writing and personal research carried out in solitude and doubt. When I read those words, I thought immediately of Ecclesiastes. Here's somebody who's not writing for anyone. He's definitely not writing to please anyone. And he's probably writing from a standpoint of solitude and doubt. I would push even farther and say skepticism. Yet he wants to believe despite his unbelief. And this is in some ways a courageous act on his part. There is something very reassuring about reading a memoir. I think that's why when you walk into so many bookstores, the memoir section can be really huge. Something healing about eavesdropping on the daily mental struggles of other people, observing the constant framing and reframing of their thoughts as they zig and zag between hope and despair. We can find ourselves saying while reading their material, hey, that sounds a little like me. And look, they had to do the same zigging and zagging thing going on in their heads that I do, and yet still manage to live a life, take care of pets, feed the hungry, fall in love. There's something reassuring about reading the full humanity of another person that makes us feel more comfortable in our own complex, nuanced humanity. What we get from Ecclesiastes 
is a picture of what faith feels like. And it's not always a pretty picture. Ecclesiastes did not say that God is love and you can always count on love. He says that God is the greatest mystery ever. And the sooner we get that, the better off we'll be. He didn't say that justice will prevail in the end. In fact, he said that many times, most times, wicked people get away with their wickedness. But then he goes on to say that this brutal fact should in no way block our desire to become compassionate or pursue wisdom. That's what faith feels like, knowing that our best constructive work may fail, but doing constructive work anyway knowing that many of the seeds of possibility and love that we plant will only come to fruition long after we've passed away, but planting them anyway. And here's the thing about Ecclesiastes. Right alongside all that moaning and groaning, he often lifts up the pursuit of wisdom as the noblest pursuit of all. He understands or believes that God is aware of all that is taking place all the time and will somehow sift that through and bring it to a righteous conclusion. Now, Ray Waddle says that he developed a lifelong preoccupation with Ecclesiastes because he teaches and he toughens. He tells of the ways of God in a hard world. His writing contains moods of the spiritual life, moods of God, that never get publicized in the highly competitive marketplace of religion. He pressed readers to work hard to find a balance between praise and remembrance, praise of eternal God and remembrance of everyday suffering all at once. To encounter Ecclesiastes, says Ray Waddle, is to argue with him or embrace him, but always to feel his shadow across our jittery new century. As fascinated as I am with Ecclesiastes, I hope you might develop a fascination with him as well, I'm not sure that I'd like to sit next to him on an airplane for six hours. That whole all is vanity thing might get old pretty quickly. But I would agree with Ray Waddle. We need his spiritual wisdom. It's hard to be up all the time. It's natural to question whether even our best efforts are worth it. It's easy to get discouraged when injustice is manifested in so many different ways. But when we feel the, that way, and I do from time to time, surprise, surprise, there's Ecclesiastes who tells us to feel what we're feeling. All is vanity. But don't forget to pursue wisdom with everything we've got because it's in our power to do that. He reminds us to enjoy work, enjoy our loved ones, enjoy good food and good wine. Yes, believe it or not, those are all words from Ecclesiastes. And believe it or not, despite all of his moaning and groaning, and there's a lot of it in his book, there are also the most exquisite brief quotes, glimpses of grace, when he says, says things like these. The quiet words of the wise are more to be heeded than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. Whatever your hand finds to do, do with all your might. Wisdom makes one's face shine. 
God has made everything beautiful in its time. The voice of Ecclesiastes reaches across the century to challenge us, yes, but also to encourage our own faith in God. He believed that God is the greatest mystery of all and can never be hemmed in by the worst of human wickedness, but works constantly, creatively, compassionately through us to renew the whole creation. If Ecclesiastes had a one-line statement of faith, this would be it. God may sometimes be hidden, but God is never absent. Ecclesiastes was right in saying that there is a time for everything under heaven, like a time to turn to this ancient voice for some unconventional nourishing wisdom that runs against the grain. I would say that time is now. Amen. As we gather to offer prayers for the world and for ourselves, we continue to keep in mind the land and people of Ukraine and all of those across the globe who live under the threat of violence. We continue to pray for all of those who've been affected by the recent wildfires in Maui, for those who mourn the loss of loved ones and for 
all those who are striving to rebuild their lives and their community. We offer prayers for refugees across the world who are in search of home and basic necessities of life. And we pray for the aid agencies and medical personnel all across the world who provide basic and essential services for the flourishing of human life. Let us pray. Gracious and generous God, you lavish life upon us in so many different ways, and we are grateful for your abundant compassion. We bring to you this day the prayers we always bring to you, for wisdom to make good decisions, for peace on earth and goodwill among all people, for the resilience to meet the challenges before us, for constancy of love as we care for those around us, and for a spirit of humor and hope to brighten our days. We pray especially for all those across the world who live under the threat of violence or famine or natural disaster, for all those who have been displaced from their homes and are in search of shelter and safety. We give thanks for all those aid agencies that work most closely with those in need, and we pray that you will give them all the strength they require to carry out their ministries of mercy. Still speaking, God, we give you thanks for your presence and accompaniment whenever we rise up to change those things that contradict your love. As we seek to foster a life of faith, we do so with the assurance of your guidance and the promise of your love. And when we live out our faith in the shadow of the cross, give us humility, resilience, and grace to remain faithful to the callings to which you have called us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let us pray together in the words of the Round Hill Community Church prayer. Our Heavenly Father, shed forth thy blessed spirit upon all our lives. Make each one of us an instrument in thy hands for good. Purify our hearts, strengthen our minds and bodies, fill us with Christian love. Let no pride, no self-conceit, no rivalry, no ill will ever spring up among us. Make us earnest and true, wise and prudent, giving no just cause for offense. And may thy holy peace rest upon us this day and every day throughout the coming week, sweetening our trials, cheering us in our work, and keeping us faithful to the end. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Go forth in peace, and may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of you. And may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace now and evermore. Amen.